Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. And yes, this is Saturday night. This is not our usual time. This is your host, Amy Peekoff, here. I had a work-related conflict on Friday, so I'm sorry I wasn't able to do the show at the usual time. And in fact, next week, is going to be similar because I have a meeting that I have to attend right about the same time as I normally have this show next Friday. So I think I'm going to do this exact time slot this week, next week, see how it goes. It might actually be in the foreseeable future that I want to try to go back to something like this. I've tried a Saturday night time slot in the past. I haven't done it for a while. Let's see how we do. Uh, Mikael here in the chat room is happy for this particular time slot, says that it's been a while since he's been able to listen live and is grateful for the makeup show. I'm glad to do the makeup show. I really wanted to talk about this topic this week. And when I found out that I was going to have to cancel on Friday, I was not really happy about it. So I wanted to try to squeeze this show in. Um, I'm slightly caffeinated. I've got kind of half of a half-calf coffee sitting here that I'm going to be sipping a little bit. I don't want to mess my sleep up too much, you know, but I want to be awake for you guys. So I'm trying to balance that tiny bit of sugar. We'll see how we do. I've got John, Michael, Rob here. Hello, everyone. And probably some other people will join as well. If you are listening, but you aren't joining the conversation here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, I highly recommend it. There's often some good discussion over here. So come on in. The topic for today, and this is about the best way that I think I could put it, which is, this is the question, why LBGTQ, and as I understand, there are further letters in the, uh, would you call it an acronym, I guess? Um, But I, I stopped there with LBGTQ. So why LBGTQ people, and of course everyone else, should support the North Carolina and Mississippi 
quote, anti-LBGTQ laws, you know, the so-called anti-LBGTQ laws, because as we'll see, they are not actually anti-LBGTQ. That's why I put that in scare quotes in the title. If you go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, you can see the program notes. I have program notes for pretty much every show. Occasionally I get behind, but most of the time I have a nice list of program notes for you to check out. And it's links to all the stories and other things that I plan to discuss. So go over there and check that out while you're listening. Uh, John is here in the chat room as well. Hello, John. Um, Actually, I did think that I said that. Um, Michael. He says uh, he can't listen live during the week either. Everyone has their preference. There's some people who like the show during the week, some people who would prefer something on the weekend. But hopefully this is going to work for people. And, of course, there's always the podcast. And as I understand it, the podcast is available probably within an hour at the most through the podcast app, and then people can listen at their leisure, so to speak. So let's figure out, first of all, what are we talking about? Because if you look at the headlines out there, all you hear is that it's anti-LGBT laws in North Carolina and in Mississippi. So first, what does the Mississippi law do? The Mississippi law allows churches, religious charities, and privately held businesses to decline services to people if doing so, if providing those services, would violate their religious beliefs about marriage and gender. So in essence, what it does is it allows the bakers to refuse to bake the cakes, the gay wedding cakes, right? That's what the Mississippi law does. The North Carolina law has a couple prongs to it. Uh, First of all, the North Carolina law, it's a state law banning the local governments in North Carolina from passing their own anti-discrimination protections based on sexual orientation. Um, So that's the first prong of it. And what does that mean, right? So suppose, and this is what had happened, the city of Charlotte had passed an anti-discrimination ordinance. And what that would do is that would force businesses to not discriminate. In other words, it would force businesses to do business with people that they don't want to do business with on the grounds of, for example, their religious beliefs about marriage and gender, right? So Charlotte was attempting to force the bakers to bake the cake, and the state of North Carolina said, no, Charlotte, you cannot force the bakers to bake the cake unless we, the state of North Carolina decide to force bakers to bake the cake. So the North Carolina law just says that this is a statewide issue that we're going to have statewide answers to this question that Charlotte, for example, cannot take it upon itself to force bakers to bake the cake for the gay wedding. Uh, You've got to leave it up to the state. Now that's the first prong of the North Carolina law. The second prong of the North Carolina law is the one maybe that people are talking about a lot more And it's the so-called bathroom law, right? It's the so-called bathroom law. And what that does is it requires transgender people who are in government buildings and public schools to use bathrooms 
that match the gender that is on their birth certificate. Now, usually the gender that's on your birth certificate is going to be the one corresponding to the sexual organs that you were born with. But it is possible in North Carolina and a lot of other places throughout the country, uh, I'm sure most states, right, to go ahead and have a you know gender reassignment surgery and change what you have and correspondingly change your birth certificate to reflect what gender you now see yourself as and possibly have gotten an operation to to make that way. Uh, Probably in North Carolina, you can't change your birth certificate unless you actually uh, do something physical to yourself. But I'm not sure about that. I haven't looked too too, uh, deeply in that. But, but you know, you do have this opportunity. So if you're transgender and you actually change your gender on your birth certificate, then you can use the bathroom corresponding to the you know, your sexual identity at that time. Uh, however, if you are transgender and you haven't gone through the process necessary to change on your birth certificate, then you would be required to use the restroom in government buildings, right, in government buildings, uh, based on what's in your birth certificate, okay, based on what you were born with. That's what you'd have to do, regardless of how you see yourself at this point in time. So these are what the laws do, um, Does the law mandate discrimination against anybody on any irrational basis? No. And, you know, for what it's worth, I'm not here during this show to talk about the rationality or irrationality of the discrimination. I'm kind of more interested in the political rights issue. But for what it's worth, I would think that it is irrational to discriminate against anybody on the basis of their homosexual beliefs, for example, um, even uh, on the basis of transgender beliefs, although I would think that there would probably be some rational concerns about the use of bathrooms. Uh, And ideally, I would just leave that up to the private individuals, you know, to figure out how to handle that. If you're a restaurant and you would like to cater to, you know, transgender populations, but you also want to preserve the privacy concerns of other, you know, segments of your uh, clientele. Maybe you're going to have traditional men's and women's bathrooms and then maybe some sort of unisex or maybe a single bathroom that anybody can go into if they feel so inclined. Uh, You know, however you want to handle this, I'm totally fine for handling this. I would say you wouldn't, you know, for me, why would I discriminate against a transgender person in terms of employing them? What, you know, what do you look at when you look at a person in terms of their productive ability, uh, the ability to talk about ideas with them or anything else? You look at their rational faculty. So you wouldn't discriminate against people with respect to so many things, uh, you know, based either on their skin or their sex or their sexual orientation. Uh, I don't even discriminate against my favored presidential candidate based on his religious belief, right? I am going to vote for Ted Cruz as many times as I'm able to, uh, even though he's religious and I'm an atheist, okay? So, you know, you don't discriminate irrationally against these people, uh, you know, in terms of more, you know, morality. But the next question is, what should the law have to say about this? And in Mississippi, again, what does the law do? 
the law allows the churches, the religious charities, privately held businesses, allows them to decline services if it's going to violate their own beliefs. That's all it does. It doesn't say that they should deny these services. It doesn't say that they should not. It just says you have the right to do this. You will not be forced to bake the cake for the the gay wedding. You're not going to be forced to be the photographer for the gay wedding or anything else having to do with that. Um, The North Carolina law is a little stickier. You know, on the the one hand, um, you know, all it says is, no, Charlotte, you cannot force the baker to bake the cake. Okay, so that part of it is similar to Mississippi. This additional requirement about the bathrooms is a bit more controversial, but you know, what are you going to do? These are government buildings. And so in government buildings, in government spaces, often the rules of conduct are going to be based on what the majority decides should go on in these places. And, you know, hopefully it's going to be something reasonable and it's not going to completely, you know, totally irrationally discriminate. They believe, obviously, that there is a reason to protect certain segments of the population, uh, one of the big worries is that you're going to have someone who uh, describes himself as transgender, a male who says he sees himself as a female, and who goes into one of these either government building or public school restrooms and ends up sexually assaulting a female who is in there and vulnerable because, it again, it's a multi-person facility, you know, where you've got the stalls, not actual locked doors and things like this, where it's not secure uh, for, for people so that there's some vulnerability and you want to prevent men who might assault women from going into these places. Um, of course, women could assault men in, in reverse as well, but, you know, more, more often than not, they're concerned about the men assaulting women or assaulting young girls. This is what... Um, you know, this is what Ted Cruz had, had been concerned about. Now, I've got some people here in the chat room chiming in on this already when I'm talking about this. Uh, Michael says, wondering whatever happened to we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone for any reason we choose. Yes, and this is something we want to talk about, the fact that this is brought forth as some sort of religious liberty issue. And then John says, if it is okay for a transgender to go into the bathroom of the opposite sex, why is it difficult for the transsexual to go into the bathroom of their legal gender? Um, and I don't know if I'm exactly getting the question because you said transgender and then transsexual. So maybe you're going to need to repeat the question or it could be that, that it's late at night for me. Um, but, you know, again, what is what is a Oh, transgender, not transsexual. Yeah, so why not? Why go into the bathroom of the legal gender? So what's the argument? Um, I would love if somebody wants to make the argument, go ahead and have them call in. I'll tell you what I understand the argument to be to the best of my ability. The number, if you want to call in, is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817 if you want to call in and make the argument. But as I understand it, the argument is that if you, so, you know, suppose you have a, um, you know, Bruce, not Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, we'll call uh, now Caitlyn as, as uh, she wishes. So Caitlyn Jenner, suppose Caitlyn Jenner 
has to go into the men's restroom. Now, everybody knows that Caitlyn Jenner was Bruce Jenner, so it wouldn't necessarily be horribly, horribly embarrassing for Caitlyn Jenner to do this. But if you were a transgender person uh, who had not been outed by a celebrity and you were forced by the law to walk into a bathroom corresponding to you know, the sex on your birth certificate, then that could be horribly embarrassing because you look like a woman and you're going into the men's restroom and then everybody will know that that is what's going on with you, right? That's the argument, that it is horribly unfair to them. And so here you are, you're in government facilities and you know that you're, they're trying to make the decision between, well, do we embarrass these transgender people Right. You don't necessarily want to embarrass them. Again, I don't want to have a whole discussion about the morality of transgender. There's been a whole bunch of controversy, even within the objectivist movement, about whether this is good or bad or whatever. And I don't know enough about psychology for me to evaluate. I'm perfectly fine with the morality of homosexuality. I believe in gay marriage. That's why I put the little rainbow um, profile picture as, as one of the slideshow options here on Blog Talk Radio when you watch it on the on the browser. Um, I believe in gay marriage. Uh, I'm not going to come down one way or the other on the morality of this, but what I am going to say is, look, when you know legislators are trying to decide what's going to go on in government facilities, they have to make a judgment call between these competing interests. One of the main problems right now is that there are too many damn government buildings, right? Um, Government buildings should be, you know, very rare, few and far between. And one of the hugest problems is we have so-called public schools. We have government schools, government schools all over the state of North Carolina to which this applies. If we got government out of the business of schooling our children and all of those schools were privatized, a huge swath of the bathrooms that all of the transgender people are upset about would be out of play. It would be all up to these private schools to figure it out. And the private schools could choose to accommodate any way they wish. And, you know, you could imagine that people who were, you know, concerned with issues of their sexuality and they really wanted to figure out what, you know, what they identified with and they were very deliberate. Some of these people could be amazingly talented, awesome people that you would want to cater to. Um, Maybe you don't agree with the kind of choices they make and whatever, but you know that they take things pretty seriously and you say, okay, maybe, you know, I would want to accommodate them in our schools. Maybe they're very artistic or, you know, otherwise creative in different ways. And, you know, it's not like you would want to necessarily discriminate against them. But here we are. We're talking about, you know, a government-imposed solution just for government buildings itself. Everywhere else, the discrimination is up to the private parties. Any restaurant in North Carolina can choose to have bathrooms arranged however they want. Um, The North Carolina law does not mandate that in private situations that the people go into the restroom, you know, based on their birth certificate gender. Now, what you could do as a private restaurant owner is you could say, in my restaurant, 
I request that you go into that, you know, restroom based on your birth certificate, right? You leave it up to the private owner. So they can do it, but they don't have to. It is not forced bathroom segregation, right? Michael in the chat room says, if anything, if I owned a business, I'd require only that people use the restroom for which they have the appropriate equipment to adequately use the facilities, right? And then how do you check that, right? You know, the enforcement of this could get really tricky. Um, It would be some tricky stuff. Um, But anyway, so this, this is what the laws do. Now, are these laws anti-LGBTQ? Are they anti-LGBTQ? Now, you might say that because they took the trouble of passing these laws versus passing all sorts of other laws that they might be able to do, that it's somehow singling them out or anything else. But this is done to handle a conflict between two groups. So, you know, whereas there is some sort of a problem with respect to the use of restrooms in government buildings and public schools, it is the government's job to kind of figure out and, you know, uh, adjudicate that dispute and figure out what the best answer is under the circumstances. The best answer really is to decrease the number of government buildings and government restrooms to which this garbage applies in the first place. Let's get government out of schooling. Let's get government out of a lot of the other things that it does. And so then you're only talking about courthouses and police stations and, you know, uh, the governor's, uh, you know, mansion and the, and the legislature, you know, buildings and the, uh, you know, the governor's offices at the Capitol, et cetera, like that. You know, you're, you're only talking about a limited number of buildings, um, you know, maybe military as, as well, right? But um, any, anyway, you know, let's reduce the number. Otherwise, these laws, all these laws do is it leaves people free to make decisions for themselves about with whom they want to associate, with whom they want to do business. Um, Is that anti-LGBTQ? No, it's not anti, it's not pro. It leaves the population to figure out what they want to do about their own problem. All it's doing really is reinforcing the freedom of association. And, And if you think about it, Right. Suppose you are LGBTQ. Wouldn't you want freedom of association more than perhaps most people? Right. I mean, you you are a minority. You want to be protected in your rights to the fullest extent possible. You would not want the government to treat you differently. Right. And here I don't see that the government is treating, uh, you know, transgender people differently. They're treating them based on their physical characteristics, uh, you know, as recognized through the mechanism of a birth certificate in North Carolina. And they're deeming that the best way to, within government facilities, handle a problem, right? Uh, John in the tavern says, no food or drink in government buildings. Right. These are kind of time, place, and manner sorts of restrictions that you can have on government property. Uh, Rob in the chat room says that's exactly what gay marriage laws are about, freedom of association. Yes, that's right. If you know, LGBTQ people would want to have the maximum freedom of association to be able to, you know, have the relationships that they want with other consenting adults, not restricted 
by sexual orientation or identity or anything else. Um, maximum freedom of association. And yet what these groups seem to be saying is that they want maximum freedom for them to do whatever they want, and they want to restrict other people's ability to choose whether or not they want to interact with LGBTQ couples. I mean, we've talked about this on my show before. Uh, you know, why would you want the baker who doesn't want to bake the cake for you to bake the cake? Is it going to be a really good cake that you're really going to enjoy? I don't, I don't think so. Um, now, let's see. Oh, uh, John in the chat room is saying, make non-judgmental zones in government buildings. So we're going to have uh, kind of safe spaces in government buildings. Ah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Michael in the chat room, he says, by require above, I meant only that people should take their comfort while relieving themselves serious enough to pick the right door through which to walk. Yeah. Um, It's a tricky situation, right? I mean, you know, if you are a private business owner, it would be perhaps tricky to deal with. And you would make a decision based on what percentage of your clientele would have this issue and, you know, how much money you have to throw at the problem and then figure out the best way, given the amount of money that you have to throw at the problem, what sort of solution is good. Um, uh, Rob in the chat room is saying that these people think of duty instead of causality. You know, I mean, here's the thing. If you are a minority, right, and you are a minority uh, that has been rationally, excuse me, irrationally discriminated against, and homosexuals have, to a large extent, been irrationally discriminated against, of course, there are other parts of the world in which they have been not only just discriminated against in terms of people choosing not to associate with them, but they have suffered horrible punishments simply for their sexuality. So, um, you know, in in the United States, now we even have, you know, uh, gay marriage as as a constitutional right right now. And, um, I mean, you know, this is so far above everybody else. But now the whole thing is not only can you get married, but you can force other people to deal with you against their will. And I I don't see how they would they would actually want that. But let's let's back up a bit. Let's talk about the reaction to some of these laws that we have seen in, um, you know, basically a lot of the entertainment community. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Bruce Springsteen actually canceled a concert in Greensboro, North Carolina that was scheduled for last weekend. And, um, Let's see if we can get the the actual quote from Springsteen here. I'm going to scroll down the article. He explained on Facebook, quote, some things are more important than a rock show, and this fight against prejudice and bigotry is one of them, end quote. Now, presumably, maybe the place that he was going to have the concert would be considered a government venue, so those laws would be enforced at the place where he is, but maybe he just needs to choose to have his concert at a private facility because, again, private facilities have the freedom in North Carolina now to handle the issue of transgender clientele, customers, et cetera, any way they choose. 
they can figure it out. This law doesn't tell them that they have to, uh, you know, handle it the same way that the government facilities are. Uh, Springsteen continues, you know, canceling the concert, he says, is the strongest means I have for raising my voice in opposition to those who continue to push us backwards instead of forwards, end quote. So pushing us forwards, according to Springsteen, could basically mean forcing people to deal with others against their will, whether they like it or not, forcing people uh, you know, to spend extra money to provide comfortable restroom facilities to cater, you know, to the needs of transgender. Now, you you might think there's, I mean, there's many people who might say, well, other things being equal, if I had enough money, I would love to set up the bathroom facilities in some ingenious way so that nobody had to be embarrassed about their choice of sexual identity. But you'd say, well, practically speaking, the number of people who would be affected by this are so small that it doesn't make sense for me economically to do anything special. And so then you try to come up with some sort of rules that minimize the danger. This is what the government is is doing, right? This is what the, you know, the government solution is basically trying to say, look, you know, change your identity on your birth certificate. We'll be happy to let you use the restroom where you would feel more comfortable and that's how we want to handle the solution because if people, for example, if, if men pretend to be transgender and go into women's restrooms and assault women, that's a danger. That's, you know, the danger that they're, they're looking at. Of course, you know, again, some people are doing it on, on irrational grounds, but I, I don't think that that's why the majority of them said, okay, we're going to go ahead and sign this into law. But Charles Barkley also agreed with Springsteen. He said the NBA should move next year's NBA All-Star Game, which is planned for Charlotte someplace else. In terms of Mississippi, Brian Adams is canceling his concert in Mississippi, or I guess he has done it this past Thursday after the, you know, the law that I told you about passed. Quote, he says I find it incomprehensible that LGBT citizens are being discriminated against in the state of Mississippi. He says, uh, quote, I cannot in good conscience perform in a state where certain people are being denied their civil rights due to their sexual orientation. Using my voice, I stand in solidarity with all my LGBT friends to repeal this extremely discriminatory bill, end quote. Now, again, does the bill discriminate itself. No, the bill allows private individuals, if they choose to discriminate. This bill, nobody would be violating this law, this Mississippi law. Not a single person would be violating this law if they all chose to bake the cakes, cater for the gay weddings, do everything. Um, You could have nobody in the state of Mississippi discriminating against LGBT. And the law would be upheld, it wouldn't be violated. It doesn't mandate discrimination. It is not like government forced segregation. It is not that. And yet they are talking as if it is, right? And that's why in some of the headlines you see anti-LGBT. No, this is just allowing people to make those choices on a private basis. And I ask you the question, do you really want to point a gun to people's head and say, you must you must 
choose to associate with these people against your will, against your better judgment, regardless of your personal beliefs? Or would you rather leave the issue to the free market? Because there's only two ways that people can deal with each other. They can choose to deal with each other on a voluntary basis, on the basis of persuasion, or they can choose to deal with each other on the basis of force. And what Brian Adams and Bruce Springsteen they're actually calling for the bakers to be forced to bake the cakes, the restaurants to be forced to design bathrooms in a certain way, even if they don't have the financial resources to do so, to accommodate a sector of the population. Um, They want to force the state of North Carolina to miraculously come up with a scheme for bathrooms in all of the government buildings retrofit, do whatever they have to do to handle this in a way that accommodates everybody's wishes and that nobody has to be embarrassed. But I don't know, I don't even know the way that you could do that. You know, in some ways what they're saying is that we don't want, you know, we don't want to have to act in a way in which we are exposing ourselves as what we are, as that we have made this choice to be transgender. They somehow want to you know, let them decide however they want to do it on any day. And North Carolina is saying, no, that's just that's just not safe. In government facilities, at least, we're not going to let you do that. Private facilities, let them figure it out. Um, there are, you know, transgender advocates in North Carolina say who say that the governor is actually doing this why? Because he's seeking re-election this year, and so that the only reason that he's doing this is that he's trying to cater to the extremist right-wing base that is using it for political gain. And what they're saying is that he's hurting himself and the entire state. And my question is, is he really going to hurt himself and the entire state, or are there just going to be a few very loud you know, blowhards, basically? The other one that I didn't tell you about yet is PayPal. Uh, PayPal was going to make a tremendous investment in the state of North Carolina and actually has decided to pull out of that unless North Carolina repeals the law. And let me see if I can pull up the article in which it says that. Um, By the way, I'm taken to reading my articles on my phone because I never, ever get the spinning rainbow of death on the phone, but in any event. So um, I've got a number of of these articles about it over at DontLetItGo.com, and you can check it out. But, you know, the biggest thing is PayPal. PayPal, I think it was $3.6 billion that they wanted to invest. Yeah, here's the the backlash article. It's the anti-gay laws bring backlash in Mississippi and North Carolina. And this is from the New York Times published on the 5th. PayPal announced it was canceling, not billion, of course, a $3.6 million investment in North Carolina. That's what it is going to do. It dropped plans to put its global operations center in Charlotte because of the state's recent passage of a law banning, banning anti-discrimination protections. This is, you know, That's how it gets complicated. So the law bans anti-discrimination protections. Basically, the law permits private parties to discriminate unless 
the state decides to say otherwise at some point. So right now, the state says we will allow, like Mississippi does, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. Um, and then, like I said, also the the bathroom requirement. But PayPal had pledged to bring 400 jobs and invest $3.6 million and has decided not to do it simply because of this law. Um, what is a great answer to this? A great answer to this is the answer given by someone named John Swearens out on Twitter. Because Michael Moore is yet another person who has decided to use his clout and his celebrity to speak out against these so-called anti-LGBTQ laws. He says, quote from Michael Moore on Twitter, he says, I have asked my distributor not to book my film in any theater in North Carolina due to their bigoted law against LGBTQ people. They have agreed. So the distributor has also decided that they're not going to market their law there. I'm not I mean, market their law, market their film there. I'm not sure how big a market Michael Moore has in North Carolina. So I'm not sure that this is enough of a sacrifice for him. You know, Michael Moore is a good liberal. He's a good Kantian. He probably thinks if he's going to do something moral, it's got to be a, a sacrifice. And I'm thinking he probably wasn't giving up that much that his film was going to kind of bomb in North Carolina anyway, but whatever, you know, he gets to make his statement. And then John Swearens out on Twitter has a great answer. He says to, to Moore, he says, doesn't it feel great having the liberty to decline doing business with people you disagree with? End quote. Now, he's referring to the portion of the North Carolina law that doesn't allow Charlotte, for example, to pass some anti-discrimination legislation. Again, that you know, the state of North Carolina is not going to allow Charlotte, North Carolina, to force the baker to bake the cake, right? Um, and that means the baker has the freedom to decline doing business with people you disagree with. And so Swearens is making the point that Michael Moore, that Brian Adams, that PayPal, that Bruce Springsteen, they are all exercising their freedom of association when they are deciding not to do business in North Carolina because they disagree with certain laws that are in place there. But all the law is doing, again, with respect to all of these private entities, all the law is doing is the law is permitting this discrimination to take place. It is not mandating it. It is not encouraging it. It's allowing it, but it's just allowing people to act on their own free will. It's saying, we will not force you at the point of a gun to do business with other people against your will. And that's what Swearens is saying back to Moore and by implication to everybody else, that everybody should have the liberty to decline doing business with people you disagree with. Not just Michael Moore, not big businesses like PayPal and everybody else, right? Everybody should have the ability. The small baker should have the ability to do it. The mom and pop shop should have the ability to do it. The small traditional family restaurant should have the ability to set up their bathrooms however they choose. And then the transgender people who think that they are sexist and bigoted and homophobic and whatever they are, maybe they are. Don't do business with them. Let the market figure this out 
let the market figure this out, and let people deal with each other on a voluntary basis rather than forcing other people to do our bidding to make our lives better. Got Tim here in the chat room. I'm thinking Tim should call in the show and talk about this because I bet he's been dealing with this on the front lines there. Um, Now, uh, Michael in the chat room says, notice that the very idea of a law being written not in order to protect rights, but to issue permission slips instructing property owners how to make use of their own property is uncontroversial. Right. Yeah, if you go ahead and say, okay, you can only use your property X, Y, Z. Oh, spinning rainbow of death is a great phrase for this podcast. Yeah, spinning rainbow of death is, is what I use when I've got the Safari browser not cooperating. But this doesn't happen on the uh, on the phone. The phone is, is still a beautiful thing. So that's that's how we're reading it today. But, you know, really this is the thing. The whole issue comes down to there's only two ways to deal with your fellow man. You can deal with, you know, using your reason and persuasion to hopefully get your neighbor to, you know, work with you to cooperate, to trade, you know, to uh, associate, to socialize with everything else. Um, Or you can do it by force. And if you do it by force, uh, your system, it may work for a while, but it's not going to last very long. And uh, it's not going to be prosperous for everybody either. You know, and, and this goes a little bit deeper you know, we live using our rational faculty. We live using our reason. Everything around you, if you think about how the food clothing shelter got where it is today, it doesn't get there except through the use of someone's rational faculty, the use of someone's reason. I get to get these gorgeous blackberries at the store. I can just go to my local Target and buy, you know, some blackberries or whatever. And how do they get there? I mean, first of all, somebody's got to even know how to grow the things properly to pick them at the peak so that they're still going to be ripe but also fresh by the time they're at the store. And then somebody has to figure out the type of box to put them in so that they are fresh but there's enough air to breathe in. And then how are they going to transport them and at what temperature and how quickly? And then they're going to price them at a certain way so that they're going to sell out exactly at the right time you know, before they go rotten and all of the different decisions have to be made. And someone's using their rational faculty just to get me those blackberries, right? And they're they're awesome right now. Um, and if you just multiply that thought process with everything else around you that creates all the values that you need to live, you know that they are created by human reason. And human reason does not operate under compulsion, it just doesn't. And, you know, there's so many wonderful novels that dramatize this point, but you can also see it in the stagnating economies under totalitarian dictatorships. You can see it writ large. And what I'm submitting to you is that even though we don't have a totalitarian dictatorship, to the extent that our government is using force against us, it is preventing our rational faculty from being productive and creating all of those wonderful human values. So, you know, to the extent that you are forcing these bakers to bake a cake, 
you are taking away their ability to choose, their ability to reason to that extent. And yes, you'd say, okay, well, maybe they are discriminating irrationally, but you are not going to force them to be rational by using a point of a gun. You could force them to act as a rational person might, maybe, but you're not going to force them to be rational. And I would say that anybody, any human being, would not want you know, the government to go around acting on the premise that whatever the government deems appropriate, they can force people to act accordingly. Because, yeah, right now, right now it might be that the LGBT crowd can get Charlotte to pass the anti-discrimination, you know, ordinance and make sure that the baker bakes the cake and all these other things. But then suppose you actually did get a religious totalitarian in government you know, the mayor of Charlotte was, you know, someone from the Taliban or something. If that happened, all of this would be out the window. And who knows, maybe a lot worse. Maybe there would be mandated discrimination against homosexuals and transgender and queer and everybody else. Mikhail in the chat room writes, freedom of association is a tremendous value to me as a gay man. Imagine the irrationality of others I've experienced that I'm very happy to avoid. Forcing people to serve me is of no value. I want to say amen, but I'm not religious, right? Um, that's always that's always been the case. And that's why I always think, you know, I'm always upfront about my beliefs with people, uh, especially in academia. You wouldn't want to be in the closet with respect to, you know, your beliefs about objectivism and, uh, you know, the the more sort of uh, economic conservative, socially liberal beliefs that I have out there. I, I like to be out in the open and then I know when I'm dealing with people that they actually do want to deal with me because of who I am and even with the beliefs that I have, I'd much rather, you know, have it that way than any other way. John in the chat room says, the baker who doesn't want to bake a gay cake is just making a stupid business decision. Yes, exactly. And what I'd rather see, and I think what anybody would rather see in the world, is that the baker comes to his own conclusion that he should bake the gay cake, right? Um, the thing that just came into my mind was this really funny recent episode of uh, Modern Family. and it, The episode title was something like... Um, man shouldn't lie or something. And anyway, I, I, I recommend watching it. It's just, it's just kind of a, a, a funny episode. But yeah, we want people coming to their own conclusions about this. The idea that you think you're going to make people rational because you're going to make them behave sort of as a rational person would, it, it's not going to work. You cannot force a mind. A mind has to come to its own conclusions. And what these people are not doing is they are, not, you know, they, they say, okay, for us, freedom of association for me, but not for thee, for those of you. And they're saying that I want to be the one who deems what opinions are acceptable and not acceptable. And I'm going to choose to not do business with those people that I deem have unacceptable views, but I want you to be forced to do business with those people that you think have unacceptable views. Um, 
Yeah, Rob Abiero says also, he says, I want the freedom to avoid people I don't want to associate with. Yes, everybody does. And I think that if you want to continue to have that freedom to not associate, there, you know, there's an essay that I wrote uh, years ago, and it was based on the novel, the little novella by Ayn Rand called Anthem. And the title is Freedom of Disassociation in Anthem. And Anthem is, you know, the, depicts this futuristic totalitarian society. And in that society, everybody is forced to be together all the time. They can never see themselves as individuals. They're never allowed to be alone, think alone, um, to write down thoughts that are for any eyes other than their, you know, for no eyes other than their own, like in a diary or something like that. Um, constant, constant companionship is forced on them. They have no choice in the matter. They have no choice about their profession or anything else. And freedom of disassociation is sometimes just as important as association, right? And that, that's the, the implication of it is that freedom of association, you can choose when you want to and not when you don't. And all of these people are completely hypocritical, first of all, but it's not that, you know, the hypocrisy that we're going to, you know, try to criticize them the most for. What they want to do is they want to force people to behave as they see fit. Now, they don't want to do it themselves. They want the government to force these people to behave as they see fit why? Because they think that, you know, the baker who doesn't want to bake the gay cake, they think that person is bigoted. Um, maybe the person is bigoted, but my question is, what is worse, the refusal to bake a cake or forcing somebody against his will to bake the cake? And the force is clearly the worst thing. Um, you know, all you do, yeah, you hurt somebody's feelings if you don't bake a cake for them, but nobody has a right for anybody else to bake the cake for them. And, you know, they talk about their, you know, their civil rights, right? What is it that anti-discrimination laws protect you against? It's not that you are going to be physically punished in any way because you're gay. Uh, nobody's going to steal your money because you're gay or anything else. You might have to go to the bakery down the street, and especially in a place like Charlotte, right? And, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't have even been able to pass an anti-discrimination ordinance in Charlotte unless there were a lot of people already in Charlotte who were more than willing to do business with homosexuals who wanted to get married. Find those people, do business with them, put the other ones out of business, and let's let the market decide. Uh, there's one other point on this I wanted to talk about, and it is, and you know, this is a little bit baffling, right? You have big businesses in these states, lobbying the government to not pass these religious freedom laws. Right now, we, you know, we saw that PayPal, of course, is threatening to move out. But there are other businesses who are basically pressuring the governors to not sign legislation like North Carolina and Mississippi have. So, for example, the governor of Georgia vetoed a bill that was like the bill in Mississippi under pressure from big business. And why is it that big business is doing this? Why do you, why do you think that they're doing this? And I, I don't know if anybody here in the chat room wants to, to take up that, but why is it that big business 
wants to curb, you know, the religious freedom, for example, of the little baker and everybody else? You think that it's just because they want to do the right thing, they have big hearts? What what I wonder is if they know, you know, that they themselves, okay, they're going to have more of a, a liberal policy, but they're actually concerned about competition from the more traditionally minded businesses in some of these areas? Or is it just that sometimes the leaders of these big businesses, they're very liberal and they just want to use their clout to, yeah, John in the chat room says they don't want to be the devil, right? Um, definitely. Yeah, they don't want to be the devil. They they want to be the one who is seen as morally righteous and you know perhaps they want to you know they, they they want to also be able i think to stand for certain views and do so costlessly because if you know actually if there was actual freedom it might be that a lot of the traditionally minded people in North Carolina in Mississippi and in other places that they would boycott the big companies that handle these issues in a certain way. Now, again, I say, if you are a truly rational person, if you're a truly rational businessman, whether small business, big business, whatever, you would want to just leave people free to deal with each other as they see fit and let the market decide these things. But it turns out that in these states, there's a number of big businesses who are trying to get the governors to veto. And what does that mean? They are using their clout to get government to force individuals to deal with those with whom they disagree, these big businesses. So, for example, should we all be doing business with PayPal, right? Uh, Tim in the chat room puts it in the proper terminology here. He says businesses are, quote, virtue signaling, that's the term, virtue signaling, to avoid intimidation from the activist left. So essentially they are trying to avoid the activist left from very noisy boycotts of their business. I guess you could see that, definitely. But I would think also there are sometimes very liberal CEOs of these companies, and that might be what's going on with PayPal. But then the question is, if, for instance, PayPal has said, okay, we're not going to do business in North Carolina. Why? Because North Carolina is actually letting the baker refuse to bake the cake and is actually, you know, using government authority to figure out what should go on in the restrooms and government facilities in a way that accommodates the majority in an understandable way, right? Um, you know, and they also take steps to allow transgender people, you know, to use the restroom that they want if they take, you know, certain steps to change their birth certificate and things like that. So they're doing the best that they can to figure out this difficult problem with respect to government facilities. Um, that's not good enough for PayPal, right? PayPal wants Charlotte to be able to force the baker to bake the cake. PayPal wants the government to be mandated in all of these government facilities to have to set up the bathrooms in the way that PayPal thinks is the best. 
Mikhail in the chat room says that there's a lot of anti-corporate sentiment that piggybacks on the LGBT movement to publicly shame non-liberal companies. Yeah, I, I, I guess that they, I guess they do do that. You know, but this idea that they're using this croniest pressure on, you know, these companies. There's um, an article that Rob sent me, Rob Abiera, who's sitting here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. And it's written by Ryan Anderson. The headline is, Governors Stand Up to Corporate Elites Protecting Freedom. And there was one paragraph that I wanted to talk about. And by the way, there has been a little bit of a walk back by the governor of North Carolina on the provision. And I'll I'll get to that in a second. That was in the article about Ted Cruz, I believe. But, um, you know, actually what he talks about here, and again, um, Ryan Anderson is is the writer. He talks about the government-run facilities, you know, and and the whole issue of, of making the accommodations that you can, if you change your sex on your birth certificate, you can use the restroom that you want. He says, the law strikes a reasonable compromise. It prevents biological males who identify as females from using women's and girls' private facilities in public schools and government offices, but it also allows local school officials and office managers to make reasonable accommodations for such students and employees, and it leaves private organizations free from government interference. And that's it. Leaving private organizations free from government interference is the you know linchpin of these uh, laws and the idea that anybody's free from government interference to act as they wish not as Michael Moore wishes not as Brian Adams wishes not as Bruce Springsteen wishes not as PayPal wishes not as Charles Barkley wishes they're, they're just horrified that the baker can't be forced to bake cakes according to their own wishes it's just horrific um, let me get down to the part where he's talking about what the the corporate the corporations are doing. He says in Arizona, Indiana, South Dakota, and Georgia, governors caved to the economic threats from big business. The corporate elites didn't win an argument. Instead, they threatened to boycott and transfer jobs out of the state if the governors didn't do as they insisted. This economic coercion. Now, I, I wouldn't use the term economic coercion, by the way. Uh, you know, they're just choosing to do business or not. It's not coercion. They are hoping to get government to use the power that some people say that it has, you know, to force a certain solution to this problem onto everyone, regardless of whether they agree, right? Um, so in that sense, you know, they are they're trying to, to force, but they themselves, they can't, you know, they're, they're not forcing the government by themselves. They're just saying, look, we will take our business elsewhere. But he says big businesses use their outsized market share to pressure government to do their bidding at the expense of the will of the people and the common good. And again, I wouldn't put it this way, right? It's not the will of the people and the common good. It's, it's maybe true that the majority of the people would agree that you should leave the baker free to decide whether to bake the cake according to his own judgment, right? Um, But that's not the issue. The issue is, should the government be able to force the baker to bake the cake? And North Carolina and Mississippi have said no. 
and there are big businesses who are trying to use their lobbying power and the fact that they have a tremendous tax revenue that they provide to these states and everything else as pressure to get the government to force the baker to bake the cake. Uh, but, you know, they themselves, they're not using guns. Since government, though, depends on this tax revenue, they definitely do feel the pressure. Um, he continues, many of us think that what these corporate giants are doing is bad for representative democracy and self-government, but they have a right to do it. Yes, they do. And he says, and yet they want to deny the rights of bakers, florists, photographers, adoption agencies, and marriage counselors. He says, big business is using its market freedom to deny small businesses and charities their religious freedom. The hypocrisy is astounding, et cetera. Now, it, you know, again, hip- hypocrisy is one thing. Uh, obviously, you know, if you can show somebody in a contradiction, then you know that one of the two, you know, things that they're, the contradiction is, is about is wrong. But what we want to focus on is we want to focus on the wrongness of forcing anybody to act against his will. And, you know, again, if you are a minority, if you are an LGBTQ whatever in particular, who has been subject to irrational discrimination, who people are basically trying to make you act in a way against your will, then you would not want to force anybody else to act against their will. You want to be able to associate as you see fit. You don't want to be forced, for example, to marry someone of you know the opposite biological sex because that's what everybody does. You want to be able to marry whom you choose. You want to be able to you know, associate with particular doctors who are willing to do a sex change operation. Uh, you want to be allowed to do that. You want you don't want to be forced to stay the way that you are, right? So if you are free to make these decisions, why would you want to force other people to make these other decisions? Simply what for your convenience? You think you can do that without? Igniting the uh, slippery slope, so to speak. That's a mixed metaphor, if I ever heard one. Igniting the slippery slope. But yeah, you don't you don't want to get on that slippery slope where you force somebody else to act against their will, but you don't want to be forced against to act against your will. And I'm sure that Michael Moore did not read that tweet back to him. You know, that was sent back to him. Again, it was by John Swearens. I've got the tweet posted in a graphic over at DontLetItGo.com, by the way. But yeah, somebody named um, Brian Block grabbed it, you know, did a screen grab on it. But that is just great. I don't know that Michael Moore ever read it, but he should get an education. You know, it's like, oh, am I actually exercising my freedom of association? And is that what's being protected by the Mississippi and North Carolina laws? <sighs> imagine. You know, imagine if he would get that. Let's see what else. Uh, Mikhail says in the chat room that. Um, oh, these corporations, they don't want to limit their talent pool. Even if job seekers are incorrect, they don't want to work for an employer that they view as anti-LGBT. That's probably true as well. They want to appeal to as broad a talent pool as possible. And the bigger the corporation, the more likely that they're going to want to uh, have you know, some of that demographic as you know, part, of, part of their employee pool. Kay McGinnis in the chat room says, in the old days of segregation, big business said that they were just going along 
with community standards. Perhaps, I mean, that, that definitely could be the case. The, the one thing that I wanted to then draw upon when I'm going to actually switch here to a different topic, and again, nobody did call in to debate with me, so I assume that everyone who's listening now does agree with me, but if, if people are listening to this and they disagree with me, they want to come over and start a debate at the blog at don'tletitgo.com after you've heard the podcast or something, go ahead and do that and start this discussion, but I think that Anybody who is LGBTQ, even with respect to the bathroom portion of the North Carolina law, that is not anything that you should necessarily disagree with. I think the thing that an LGBTQ person should fight against is the fact that there is so much government out there. There's so many government buildings and restrooms to be concerned with. The fact that the government is trying to make the best of uh, an uncomfortable situation with respect to those facilities, I, I don't think is the problem. And I do think that they've got a reasonable accommodation going there in that law. But the problem is, is that it applies to so many places. And let's get the government out of the schools. Let's not have public schools. Let's have private schools who can handle this, you know, the way that they choose and then let the market decide and let the, you know, the, the transgender students and, and faculty and everybody else go to the school's that make them feel the most comfortable. Yeah, Rob says, in the old days, segregation was actually enforced by the government. And again, that that is the biggest difference here. All of these, you know, Michael Moore and Brian Adams and, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen and, and uh, Charles Barkley, they're all speaking as if this is government-enforced segregation, and this is not. This is permitting those few people who decide that they're going to irrationally discriminate or... You know, you know, let them do that. Let the market decide. Or in the case of the restroom problem, again, permit people not to have to spend inordinate amounts of money to accommodate the feelings of a very small segment of their clientele. Uh, somebody, you know, is going to be very creative and figure out how to handle this in a way that everybody can be happy for the least amount of money possible, but let the market figure that out. Tim says that the Charlotte Ordinance would have forced private businesses to eliminate sex-segregated public accommodations like bathrooms, locker rooms, and shower rooms. And he says HB2 reversed the ordinance. So basically you would have unisex bathrooms everywhere. And that's anywhere the public was invited in. So that would be restaurants, shopping malls, stores, bakeries, wherever they would actually have restrooms that you know, the public would be able to use all unisex. Um, In some ways, uh, women would like that. You know, we women, we go to concerts and everything else, and there's always a longer line for the women. And so if everybody was able to use the same ones, then there wouldn't be as long a line. But if you don't have the privacy, then that's no good. So other things being equal, I want to go into the ladies' room where, yeah, okay, there's less privacy, but it's all women, and so you just feel like, okay, you're fine. Uh, it would be very awkward, and, and everything would have to be retrofitted or nobody would have any privacy. And, you know, we could talk about the value of, of privacy more in, in the future. Safety has been a big emphasis of, of this as well. That's one of the reasons that people have opposed it. So so as I'm making the transition here to another topic that, you know, it, it seems not related, but there is one common denominator. The economic pressure, right? 
in Georgia and in some of these other states, they were talking about Arizona, can't remember um, which, which other ones that I was just listing a bit ago, but I remember Arizona, I guess Indiana, Georgia, some of the governors caved into the pressure from these big corporations like PayPal who have said, you know, we'll take $3.6 million of investment out of your state. And what does that mean if the governors cave into this pressure? They are choosing the economic viability of their government, which they should be cutting anyway, right? Uh, They're choosing the economy over justice. And my question is, if you're going to choose you know, the viability of your economy over justice, if you think that's a choice that you can make, how long is your economy actually going to last? Because what does an economy depend on? It depends on productivity. And if you're deciding that it's okay to force people to do a little bit here and a little bit there, we're going to force these people to bake the cake in this one and over there, and you think that that is going to be a solid foundation for an enduring, prosperous economy, I think you're wrong. And so I think you're wrong in that context, you know, again, where the, you know, Georgia governor vetoed a bill like Mississippi. And again, what does the bill do? All the bill does is says we're not going to force the baker to bake the cake. We're not going to use force to make people act against their will. That's all it is. And that is the just way to go. The just way is to deal with each other by voluntary persuasion, not force. And what are these governors doing? They're, they're caving to the pressure. They're saying, you know, for economic reasons, in essence, because the tax base is going to be affected if I do the, the right thing, if I do the thing that respects the individual rights of everybody, they, you know, they choose the unjust outcome. And, and I submit that over time, if you choose the unjust outcome, your economy is not going to survive either. The productivity of everybody is going to decrease. And, you know, the premise is is that anybody can force anybody else to act against their will if they can just portray them as unreasonable or bigoted or anything else. And it's going to be a bevy of forcing everybody else to act however you want, depending on who's in power. That is not a basis for a prosperous economy. Let me give you another example of it, it from a very different area. And this was a headline of New York Times today. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia warns of economic fallout if Congress passes 9-11 bill. Now, what is the 9-11 bill? The 9-11 bill is a bill that would allow the Saudi government to be held responsible in American courts for any role in the September 11, 2001 attacks, the 9-11 attacks. And as many of you know, the Saudi government has been alleged to be responsible, to have a significant role in financing, maybe in helping to coordinate those attacks. There was a report of you know, the so-called 9-11 commission, et cetera, but you've heard of the 28 pages that were redacted there are still 28 pages of this report that have not been made public and that are alleged to have described significant involvement by the Saudi government. 
Apparently, what's coming up before Congress now is a bill that would allow the Saudi government to be held responsible. It doesn't mean that they're for sure going to be held responsible. It just means it can be adjudicated in a court of law in America, and that if they are found responsible, then they could be held liable, right? So what is the Saudi government saying to this? They don't want to have that vulnerability. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want the possibility that they're going to be held responsible in the court. And the you know argument that they have, are they given an argument? No. They're just warning of economic fallout. They are trying to apply economic pressure. What is our government doing? Well, the Obama administration, this is according to the New York Times, published April 15th yesterday, The Obama administration has lobbied Congress to block the bill's passage, according to administration officials and congressional aides from both parties. And the Saudi threats have been the subject of intense discussion in recent weeks between lawmakers and officials from the State Department and the Pentagon. The officials have warned senators of diplomatic and economic fallout from the legislation. Adele Al-Jubier, I guess, I don't know how you pronounce that exactly, the Saudi foreign minister, delivered the kingdom's message personally last month during a trip to Washington, telling lawmakers that Saudi Arabia would be forced to sell up to $750 billion in treasury securities and other assets in the United States before they could be in danger of being frozen by American courts. So it's economic pressure that they're putting on. This is, you know, again, analogous to what the big corporations are doing in states like North Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi. They're saying, you know, the big corporations are saying, don't allow people to be free from coercion because if you do allow people to be free from coercion, we are going to pull our business out of here. And now the Saudi government is saying, even if we do have responsibility for 9-11, which is a horrible, evil atrocity of magnitude like nobody of us has ever seen in our lifetime and hopefully will not see again, even though they're responsible, they want to be free of any responsibility. And in order to be free of any responsibility for any wrongdoing in this horrible atrocity, they are applying economic pressure And what's worse is that the Obama administration is caving into this pressure and lobbying Congress to block the bill's passage. Again, the bill's passage would not guarantee that the Saudi government would be held liable, uh, but it would allow the Saudi government to be held responsible and liable in American courts. So once the appropriate burden of proof and everything was met in the courts, then they could be held responsible. The Saudi court doesn't want that. And the only argument they have is that they are going to make things economically difficult on us. And my question for you then is, if we give in and if we say, okay, you know, we don't want anything economically to go bad between us and Saudi Arabia. We don't want them to sell off the $750 billion of treasury securities, you know, and I'm sure it would be a big hit, right? But suppose we say that. 
Okay, we are we are going to let the Saudi government escape all responsibility for 9-11 because we don't want to be economically inconvenienced. If that's the premise, you know, if that's the um, precedent, sorry, it's late here. If that's the precedent that we're setting, how long is our economy going to survive? Right? Uh, Rob in the chat room says, without oil, what economic weapon do they have? Well, I guess they have the $750 billion of treasury securities that they can sell off. And if they sell it off right away, I think it's going to be a huge hit to our economy. Maybe they have other things that they can do as well. They're also talking about so-called diplomatic measures. Um, You know, what I did sort of wonder is if those, quote, diplomatic problems are connected to the other story that I have at don'tletitgo.com. The the next story that I have that has to do with Saudi Arabia, also from the New York Times, and this one is actually published today. Headline is, Nine Guantanamo prisoners from Yemen are sent to Saudi Arabia. So we I apparently have sent nine Yemeni Guantanamo prisoners to Saudi Arabia. The New York Times article describes them as somehow lower-level Yemeni terrorists, I guess. And what is it that Saudi Arabia is going to do for them? When I posted this on Facebook, I quoted a paragraph from this where they were talking about a so-called rehabilitation program for Saudis, and I'm, I'm reading now from the article, who have drifted into militant Islam. It says the program tries to reverse their radicalization and help them reintegrate into peaceful society. It enlists their relatives to help and has a record of reducing, though not eliminating, the risk of recidivism, officials have said. So we take nine terrorists, we send them to Saudi Arabia who is putting them through this so-called rehabilitation program, which they're saying it's not perfect. And we don't even know how long this program has been going, what sort of record they're actually making this judgment on, you know, what sort of track record it has. But, you know, this is the sort of thing. We're, we're what, at the mercy of Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia if we say that we're going to go ahead and hold them potentially liable for actions that they committed in 9/11, you know, on 9/11 or you know, in the lead up to 9/11, that what they'll release all these people and let them become terrorists and target Americans again? Rob says, "I'm glad we're making them nervous." Yeah, it, it, it's fine that we're making them nervous, but I'm horrified that they are putting pressure on our administration and more horrified that Obama is caving into this and is actually lobbying Congress to block the bill's passage. Again, this passage would just allow them to be held liable. That's it. It doesn't mean, you know, it's not a guarantee. It's not like they're going to, you know, be treated guilty before, you know, proven innocent, etc. There's going to be some standard of proof that has to be met and it's just, it's horrific. It is horrific that they are sacrificing justice for economic concerns. And, you know, that might get you by in the short term. But in the long run, if 
you have set the precedent that guilty people can go scot-free, that people who commit horrible terrorist atrocities, that we will not be protected from foreign governments that help to plot these horrible atrocities. How long can an economy last when the people in the economy don't believe that they are being protected by their own government? What about the next terrorist nation that wants to plot the next 9-11 and the Obama administration is giving them the signal that they will be scot-free? It's inviting the next 9-11 if they do this. And yet, oh no, you know, we can't hold them responsible because of the economy. How long are you going to have an economy if you're going to have a series of 9-11s? You know, and, and like I said, on a, on a smaller scale, in these, you know, states passing the discrimination laws, right? How long can you have a good economy if you're going to force people to do business with people that they'd rather not do business with? I, I would say not very well, you know. So again, if government's going to use force, to the extent that it's going to, it's going to destroy the economy. And if, if they think that they're going to get away with, you know, saving their economy and forcing just a few people to do a few things, you've, you've you know, established that principle that it's okay for government to use force and it's just a matter of time. And similarly here, if our government is so bankrupt, and you know, bankrupt in the, the moral sense and in the uh, economic sense, that they are willing to have a short-term, you know, keep the economic status quo, so to speak, which is feeble as it is, for this, and, and, and you know, what they're going to give up is any pretense that they are protecting us from initiation of force from foreign invaders. It is ridiculous. So it's, uh, it, it, it's quite sobering. I think it's so sobering, in fact, that people here in the chat room are, are fairly speechless about this. Did you hear about this story? Yeah, John says, well, you don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, right? We wouldn't want, you know, the the Saudis to actually feel like they were going to be held accountable. As I understand, Obama is gearing up to go visit uh, Riyadh, you know, in uh, Saudi Arabia soon. And they say, you know, they don't know whether the dispute over this legislation is going to be on the agenda, but I don't know what is on the agenda I have no idea. You know, Obama is in his lame duck year. What sorts of horrible things is he going to try to do to compromise our interests beyond this with respect to the Saudis? I don't know. So the spokesman for the Saudi embassy did not respond to a message seeking comment, you know, about this legislation. They're denying, it says, you know, Saudi officials have long denied that they had any role in it. The 9-11 commission found, quote, no evidence that the Saudi government as an institution or senior Saudi officials individually funded the organization, end quote, you know, of the 9-11 attacks. But that, that wording leaves open a whole bunch of possibility about the way that they could have been involved. And again, those, that conclusion was contained in 28 pages of the report, and those 28 pages have still not been released publicly. So we have all of this unknown to us and we have legislators 
deciding whether the Saudi government can be held liable at all in court, and we have our president pressuring them not to do it for economic reasons. Michael says, this doesn't surprise me one bit. Didn't our president bow to these people already? I mean, I would really love, I hope that Senator Cruz has taken this up and that they will take this up and not let this happen. They have got to pass this bill. Now, what's going to happen? What, they're going to, they'll pass the bill, but then Obama won't sign it? It would be at least great to put it on his desk and force him to say, no, you know, I will not hold the Saudi government responsible for 9-11, even if they were involved. I won't allow them to be held responsible. Michael in the chat room says, the fact that the Saudis are snarling so loudly at just the prospect of facing charges tells me that they know that they're guilty of something. Yes, I agree. Definitely. Definitely. It is horrific. Yeah, in any event, you know, in, in terms of the diplomatic fallout, I connect it to stories like that next one about the Guantanamo prisoners. Those are the sort of things that we have tied up in, in terms of, you know, diplomacy with Saudi Arabia. The, the New York Times article touts, you know, the fact that the Saudis took these nine Yemenis as some sort of a victory, like we were trying to get them to do this because they need to help us if we're going to close Guantanamo, which, of course, is the greatest thing in the world to do, according to New York Times. But I think... Uh, it can only mean bad things. I, I'm not convinced at all by their rehabilitation program, et cetera. I've got one more story to talk about tonight in the last few minutes that I've got scheduled here. And it's kind of fun. It's from Mediaite, and I've got Mark Natickman to thank for posting this story on Facebook earlier today. Headline is, no. Ted Cruz didn't actually try to ban dildos. You know, again, we're talking about has somebody tried to use government force to, you know, either prevent people from doing business or prevent people from doing business the way that they want to. Um, There's this kind of, I guess, fabrication by the left out there. Mother Jones, Slate, Gawker, some of the pro-Trump sites They're basically out there talking about the fact that Ted Cruz supposedly once argued that Texas should ban sex toys. And over at Mediaite, Alex Griswold debunks this entire thing. And in essence, it's this, right, that as the attorney for the state of Texas, he was the solicitor general, He defended a law um, because Texas had a law that banned the sale of obscene devices. So his job as the Solicitor General was to defend this law, right? Either defend it or, you know, don't take the job. But when you do defend laws like this, you don't necessarily personally agree with them, and it's not the law that you would enact. So as uh, Griswold here says, he says, that the problem is that Cruz wasn't representing his own views at the time. As Solicitor General of Texas, it was his job to defend Texas laws, whether he liked them or not, using whatever argument he thought would win in court. It also wasn't his decision whether or not to defend the laws in court. That authority belongs to the Attorney General. And then apparently there are some quotations you know, of arguments that Cruz used 
and the quotations are attributed to Cruz himself, but apparently he's quoting from case law, right? So, for example, here's the Mother Jones uh, chunk of article that is quoting Cruz. They say, this is Mother Jones here. They say, in perhaps the most noticeable line of the brief, you know, the brief he wrote when he was defending the law, Cruz's office declared, quote, there is no substantive due process right to stimulate one's genitals for non-medical purposes unrelated to procreation or outside of an interpersonal relationship, end quote. That is, the pursuit of such happiness had no constitutional standing. Now, Griswold reacts as follows. He says, right off the bat, no. He says, quote, the pursuit of happiness does not have any constitutional standing, given that the phrase appears in the Declaration of Independence. He says, you're perfectly free to believe your pursuit of happiness entitles you to all sorts of things, but there's no end to the list of generally enjoyable behaviors that the state has the right to prescribe. Now, he'll say right, but, you know, that our Constitution allows it to prescribe, right? He says, there are real constitutional concerns about a ban on sex toys, but, quote, the pursuit of happiness is only invoked by those who lack a sophisticated understanding of the law and liberal journalists, he says, but I repeat myself. But he says, more importantly, this is not Cruz's own point of view. He was quoting a 1985 Texas court case, Yorko versus State, which did indeed find that it was constitutional for the state to act to protect the social interests and the order of morality, et cetera. So the whole point is, is that Cruz was not putting forth his own point of view. And in that quoted passage, he was quoting from a Texas court case. If he hadn't brought up that court case, he wouldn't be doing his job properly. So it is ridiculous. Ted Cruz is not a theocrat who wants to ban sex toys, and you can feel free to uh, vote for him as you wish. Everybody, I am out of time. I thank you for joining me in this odd hour this evening, and I hope to see you here at the exact same time next week. Um, Go to don'tletitgo.com if you want to continue the discussion for tonight. Otherwise, I will talk to you in seven days. Take care and have a good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.